Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Stephanie Bloris. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by senior analyst Jess Byrne to discuss succession planning in the security organization. Welcome, Jess. Thanks so much for having me. So Jess, I feel like obviously succession planning is pretty standard, right, for executives to be doing that, um, you know, planning for the future. So what is special specific about security in the context of succession planning in security teams? Well, so I think a lot of companies, to your point, do succession planning and they do it at the C-level, right, just for the C-suite. But what I noticed during the 2020 and 2021 during the pandemic um, and then during what was dubbed the great resignation was that uh, security has a perennial staffing shortage uh, and this this particular situation really exacerbated that because now people were moving around um, and there were real retention issues happening so what drove me to write this research and look into it further was just this this situation where you know I think right now CyberSeq, which is a, a collaboration between NIST and a number of other uh, organizations, estimates we're at about seven hundred and fifteen thousand open positions in the United States alone, and I think it's ISC squared that estimates that it's two point seven million globally that we're down for for security professionals. These are just people that don't exist right now. So the people who do exist are kind of moving around, um, and companies really need to retain them. So, you know, the pros, we call it the great reshuffle on our team, actually, because security pros were able to shop around for what they believe to be the best fit. That could be pay, flexibility, the possibility for advancement, or some combination of the three. So, you know, if their current employer was sending signals that work from home was going to be ending soon, they could easily find another role that would guarantee a remote working situation. A pay raise was a sure thing, right? So, you know, we saw a big change uh, last year with the U.S. Department of Defense. They completely blew up their salary bands and launched a talent management program to combat attrition because, you know, they needed to. And it actually made them competitive with the private sector. So that's really what drove it. You know, it, it was retention, you know, and it's been really great to see interest from our clients about developing it beyond the C-suite. You know, some people might have just thought about the CISO, but my argument is really that succession planning should be rolled out across the entire security organization as a way to increase not only retention, but just engagement and foster mentoring, you know, and the peaceful transfer of institutional knowledge, if you will. And it's really a great way to attract early career talent, um, both internally and from the outside. And that's another big topic. And I'm going to be talking about that at our forum coming up, attracting early career talent. So this is a little bit different than what many would consider succession planning. There's Succession planning because key executives leave all the time, so you don't want there to be a gap in decision decision making at the firm. And then there's succession planning because there's a crisis and someone's unavailable, um, and they're not going to be returning to work. So they have to, again, you have to have somebody take their place to make immediate executive decisions so nothing falls down. But this is a little bit different. This is about ongoing planning for loss of talent. So it's more of a it's more continuous as opposed to being something episodic or event-driven kind of succession planning. Yeah, this is about building a bench. This is about making sure that for every person who might leave due to attrition or retirement or promotion of some way, there's someone that's that's 
ready to go, waiting in the wings, that's already been trained, that has done some shadowing, that has done, you know, some sort of job rotation, that's maybe done some upskilling through some courses or gotten some certifications. So they're ready to go and to step in. And, and should you actually need to scale, you also have people that are ready to, to move into that role if you need to add another headcount in that position. So it's really about looking at where you're vulnerable and making sure that you have people to fill those positions. Because I think a lot of companies don't understand how they've created their own single points of failure and security, where you've had somebody on the team for a really long time that, is, that has taken two or three jobs and they have all the institutional knowledge. And if that person all of a sudden is like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna get this job elsewhere. It could be months and months before you fill that role and the people who are left to pick up the pieces do not have that institutional knowledge because they haven't been trained. They haven't even gotten close to to getting the experience that that person who just walked out the door had. Again, in security, it's different than just like what happens at the top of the, the food chain at the sea level or that might happen in a different part of the organization. There are some unique risks to security why if somebody walks out the door you can't just get by with with somebody not in that role no so a couple of the the cases that i called out uh in the report were around some big data breaches that happened um like the capital one breach this is going back a couple of years but uh, the wall street journal um, did an interesting report on this where they they said, you know, there were employees that were raising concerns within the company about the high turnover on the security team. Um, and according to that article, the, the security team had cycled through senior leaders and staffers, um, and about a third of that team's employees left in 2018. Uh, and then this was a case also with, with Equifax, like hackers got in and went undetected for months because of uh, turnover in personnel and the fact that they bought all the security technology, but no one was there that actually knew how to use it because of that high turnover. So again, you're leaving yourselves extremely vulnerable if you are, are missing these, these key security roles. And again, it's not the CISO. It's oftentimes people in operations, you know, and other areas of the security team that you really need to make sure you've got backups for. So it's a couple things. I mean, you have to be a good security organization to manage talent and hopefully keep the retention rate high. So there isn't that turnover. But then I guess what you're hearing, I'm hearing you say that in terms of succession planning, that's a little bit different. That's identifying people who have been job trained in another role and overlap with individuals and can quickly step in. Well, it's 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 that and it's also creating very specific development plans and, and actually identifying them as being part of this program. And, and this is also a great way to show people that, you know, the only, some people think the only way up, you know, in terms of career progression is out and that's a retention issue. So what this does and creating a program like this specifically for security says, you have a clear path for advancement right here in this company. We want to keep you and here's what we're going to do to invest in you. So this is a huge investment in time, absolutely, for security managers, the direct reports to the CISO and the CISO uh, themselves, but it's also maybe an investment uh, in funding, further education and upskilling. You might wanna look into a security training platform. You might want to put in for some courses and do some tuition reimbursement for, for different courses. This is an investment, uh, and this is, this is a very demonstrable investment in people's career paths and planning. So you sold me on the why, <laughs> but I, I'm sure, Jess, you have a little bit of guidance on how you go about doing this. So can you maybe step us through that? In my research on this, 
nothing really existed specifically for security. So there are some best practices that are just from general succession planning. Um, but you know, I wanted to make sure that we we thought about what this means for for all roles. So to get started, I've been telling our CISO clients to check in with their counterparts in HR employee experience just to see if there is already a program in place, probably for senior executives, as we discussed. Uh, but maybe there's something that they can at least start with to mold uh, their own program after. So that'll save some time. But if not, there's six steps that I'm suggesting that people use to move forward. So first is really to take a really good assessment of your, your current state. You can do this internally. You can do this through a number of different you know, third-party type assessments. You can bring somebody in. No matter what you do, you know, this should look at your capabilities and really give you an idea of what you've got there in your program. Um, you should also look at the results of this assessment and line it up against corporate goals and objectives and risks, just so you know where the business is heading to make sure that you're planning for that as well. So you should have a really good sense of the people and the process and the technology and the oversight gaps, right? And where you need to redistribute or possibly outsource responsibilities. That's also uh, something that you can do. It doesn't have to be all in-house. And this should also uncover those single points of failure, right? So this is where you, the security managers should be asking themselves, all right, if the person currently in X position left, how would that affect our operations? And that's really where you can start selecting all the roles you want to include in that program. So once you have the lay of the land, that second step is to scope the program. So again, identify those critical positions uh, and then start creating job descriptions for those positions because you know current employees in these critical roles as we discussed, are probably <laughs> cumulative, like they, they probably accumulated a number of responsibilities uh, and, and areas of expertise over time. But make sure that your expectations for these roles are right-sized and in line with the current market. So a good way to do that is just look at job postings for similar roles in your industry, or you can actually leverage the NIST NICE cybersecurity workforce framework. It's great. Um, we also happen to have just a little plug, uh, quite a few security role descriptions uh, on our Forrester Decision site that I would love for people to take a look at. And then you really need to get going and build that bench and bring people into the succession planning program. So this is where you can discuss with your managers what skills your talent pool has right now, what they need to fill those identified roles, and then create an estimated time frame for advancement. You need to know uh, how long it's going to take somebody to actually fill the shoes of someone <laughs> who's critical that if they left, you're still not months or a year away from actually being able to to fill those shoes. Uh, so you should partner with HR right now at this moment in the, the program as well to broker conversations because chances are you might have identified people that you'd like to bring into the program that might be in IT, they might be in compliance, they might be in other areas of the organization. So make sure that conversations are happening with their current managers. Uh, Raytheon does a great job of this, actually. The whole company has a, a succession planning program. So there are conversations happening and, and managers know that people are going to be moving from position to position and they don't consider it poaching. They actually consider it part of someone's career progression. So I think that's pretty cool. So from there, once you've identified the folks that are going to be in the in the program, you can have those really important development conversations. So they should all, everybody who's involved should be informed of their inclusion by their manager, or even maybe a skip level. Uh, and the key message in this conversation is that the organization is providing 
this employee with a path for advancement. And that's going to be aligned with their skills and potential and that it's investing in the necessary development activities to get them ready for their next move. And then this is also the time, and I'm trying to go through these quickly, but um, this is also the time to stop and listen too, because this is, I'm sure everyone is very excited to be in this program, but some may have a different career path in mind. So you might need to shift them to a different development plan. And some of them that you or your managers may have identified as future people leaders may not be interested in management and that's fine. It's, it's not for everyone. So the key to retaining individual contributors is to make sure that you work with them and ensure they may remain challenged and that you can lay out a path for advancement in seniority and compensation and other ways of responsibilities uh, as an individual contributor. Because again, those can be your single points of failure, not just, not just managers. So once you have those conversations, quickly follow up, make sure they know that you mean what you said and follow up with a development plan and make sure that that's going to be part of annual reviews and monthly check-ins or however your cadence is with, with these employees. And then try to make enough time for them, you know, during normal work hours, at least a few times a week for them to actually do some of the training uh, in a learning platform. And then make sure they're also doing shadowing and job rotations. And if people are a little bit reluctant to give up the institutional knowledge, put it in their goals that, you know, knowledge transfer and time spent training and mentoring is something that they're expected to do to get that institutional knowledge disseminated. And then you've got to revisit the program annually. You might want to think about putting together some metrics for that. Um, things like reduction in attrition, mean time to backfill, uh, number or percentage of positions filled with internal promotions. This is good stuff. This is, this is stuff that you know the C-level and the board may also be interested in. So make sure you revisit it annually and, and solicit feedback and adjust for any changes. Does this, especially that upfront assessment, does this help identify flaws potentially in the organizational structure of the security team or maybe risks that the team wasn't even thinking of? So, if, you know, that example where that individual who becomes critically important over time, they keep amassing responsibility, they keep amassing skills, but it turns out they're not sharing that knowledge with anyone. So they become this single point of failure where like, literally if something happened to them, the security team would be in a mess of, mess of uh, <laughs> trouble. Um, I'm also thinking too, you know, security teams have this notorious reputation for being toxic, you know, which is a whole other podcast we could get into. But, you know, in some sense, does that expose that you might have that, you know, quote unquote, brilliant jerk who's amassed all these critical skills, hasn't shared any institutional knowledge, and maybe they've deliberately made themselves um, irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. How do you succession plan against that individual? That's where I think you have to put it in. You have to actually put money on it. You have to put it in their goals, right? That sometimes that's the only incentive that's going to work. And I've spoken with uh, a lot of CSUs who've gone through an exercise and said, "Oh gosh, all roads lead to Bob," you know, or or someone like that. And and Bob hasn't talked to any of our interns or anybody who's come in to do you know early career roles. So um, I think the best thing to do aside from having, we could have a whole other conversation, especially with my colleague, Janan Baj, about uh, toxicity and security teams. Um, but I think I think it's important to goal people on, on knowledge transfer and make sure that they understand that this is part of, you know, the resilience of the organization and that it's, it's their responsibility 
to share their knowledge and to delegate where where they can um, and make sure that people coming up have the experience and that they need to to fill in should something happen. I mean, this feels like, to your point, Steph, like this could be a lever to change the culture within security teams because of, you know, maybe mentorship with with uh, folks younger, you know, earlier in their career or knowledge transfer, as you've we've talked about, just that requires a different kind of mentality and working relationship with with your peers or other team members. Right. So this could be a very interesting tool to use in, in changing the the culture within the team itself as well. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's also there's a lot of culture that needs to change, I think, around hiring process as well, because you need again that 715,000 open jobs isn't going to be filled just by people moving around within the organization or moving up. There's a whole pipeline of people that need to come in. And, and it's there's a lot of tradition that sort of needs to be broken when it comes to the hiring process. I'm going to talk a lot about that at the, the SNR forum coming up in November, but, you know, things like degree requirements and certification requirements and other things need to go away. And security teams need to take the mentality of just, we're going to bring someone in, we're going to grow our own. We're going to invest in them once they're here, not expect them to come to the role with all of this experience baked in. And that's a big cultural shift as well. So one thing that I'm interested in, and I know this has also been a part of your research, is the role of the the BISO, which is the the business information security officer, which often reports into the CISO. What is their role in this? And maybe start with what a BISO is a little bit more. Yeah. So BISOs, um, and we wrote a role description for them. These folks act really as mini CISOs and and represent security and represent the CISO uh, and the program with management teams, typically in different business units um, and or product lines or some area where uh, security needs to be represented uh, when decisions are being made. So these folks act as you know translator, negotiator, <laughs> therapist, um, security expert, um, ethicist. You know all of these different uh, roles when it comes to deciding how to use data. You know what. Um, should we roll out this new rev of a product this quickly? You know, it's it. These folks are there on the front lines to help make those decisions. And being part of the management team, it's an elevated role. Um, the other great thing about the BISO is, and we're seeing some folks move from BISO to CISO now. In a couple of instances, they really can be. Uh, if you don't have a deputy CISO, that line of succession for the CISO. You know, they've got the business acumen experience. They've got the technical experience. Um, they are in with a number of business units and and have made relationships with people throughout the organization so they have some influence so this is a natural progression when you're when you're thinking about if you're a CISO and you're thinking about your own successor is to look at look at this role and to be fair the kind of organization that's going to have this role is large and complex it's yes. a multinational company with multiple business units or product lines or maybe they distribute security responsibility by region Mm-hmm. Or I could see a large, you know, complex like government entity as well having this model. It's not for your typical small, medium enterprise. No, this is where, you know, the CISO cannot be in all places at, at all times. And, and you really need representation on a, a more consistent basis across 
big business units uh, and, a, and a large global organization. Yeah. So you see it in financial services, uh, you see it in healthcare, you're starting to see it more in high tech where people are moving quickly if it's a big tech company. Um, and then, you know, it's starting to roll out even to, to smaller, you know, insurance um, carriers and some other folks that are investing in it. Because again, it, it, the influence of security is just so critical and CISOs can't be everywhere at once. So we've kind of gone through why you need it, how to set it up, um, you know, leveraging a BSO. I guess I'm curious, like, what are some of the mistakes you've seen in companies that have started to roll this out, like that have tried succession planning? Yeah. So in some of the conversations I had, people who have attempted to do this didn't really know where to get started and and look to HR, which is great, but they sort of abdicated all of the the management and responsibility and even those development conversations to HR and it fizzled and people did not feel engaged or motivated and it didn't really help um, the retention cause. So this initiative really needs to be announced by and then managed closely by the security team and its leaders. Those conversations shouldn't be had with HR. It shouldn't just be something in your in your HR portal that says, you know, go take this course. You, you really need to know that people are looking after you and your development in order for this to work and feel like uh, you know that you, there's a, a clear path for advancement right here on the team and that they're supported in their development every step of the way. So one of the other folks I spoke to, uh, the CISO of Highmark Health, actually hired someone with HR background, hired somebody who who understood learning and growth management and brought that person as a direct report onto his team. Uh, and then that person developed not only the leadership development program on the security team, but also a succession planning program and just a continuous, ed- continuous education program for all members of the security team. And he has very high retention. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we think about it, at, again, in a large enterprise. I mean, the security team can be huge. Uh, I, I know one financial services client, I mean, they have 50 people just in identity. Um, yeah, there's a health plan that has 30 people just in awareness and training. That's, that's you know, unheard of in some companies. Yeah. I mean, I guess I never really thought about it. It's like an organization of that size, you probably should have some dedicated HR and EX-related resources embedded within the organization. Yeah, he's one of the only people I heard of that that's done that. That would I I think it's a great move. I mean, from the sounds of it, Jess, that this is relatively could be relatively new to many organizations, right? So, is is there a step before putting a plan in place that needs to happen? Like, what are considerations? Do you have the resources necessary to actually do this um, and do it? well is there like a piece of advice to to kind of get started here i think it kind of comes back to the culture of your team right mm. take a long hard look at your managers and and how they're already or they're currently interacting with their employees are they going to be able to pull this off you know are they going to be able to genuinely have these conversations with their direct reports that make them feel like okay i, I am going to stay my next move is here i'm going to go you know, I'm going to go from a SOC analyst to an incident responder, and this my boss is going to help me do that. If you don't think that that your management team can do that, you may want to step back um, and get them some training. You may want to have some hard conversations or create goals around, you know, uh, having development in mind when it comes to working with employees. You may also want to think about, 
even if you've done it in the past, going through unconscious bias training, just to make sure that when you're thinking about bringing new people into the program from other parts of the organization or, or growing people up from where they are, that you're not bringing anything to the table that you don't that you don't want to be bringing. So I think you need to look at your managers first before you get started. I was also wondering too, is that, you know, you conduct that assessment, that for very first step. And I, I keep um, thinking in my head about that phrase, all roads lead to Bob. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what if, what if after that assessment, you come to a place where you look at your management team and you're like, these people do not have the leadership skills to help implement this. Um, and we've looked at our roles and realized we have way too many single points of failure. So on the one hand, that would urge us to get this in place as quickly as possible. On the other hand, it's like you, you clearly don't have the leadership skills or the resources to embark on this. So maybe step one is, like you said, we've got to fix our culture first. We've got to fix our training first. Um, we might actually need to ask for more headcount before we could even get started because we don't even have the numbers in place to begin assigning backfills to some of these, to some of these, you know, all purpose bobs. That's right. Just split bob <laughs> in three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jess. I look forward to your presentation at Security and Risk Forum as well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. If you like what you heard today, be sure to check out our upcoming Security and Risk event happening live November 8th through 9th in Washington, D.C. and virtually. To learn more, visit for.com slash SR22. That's F-O-R-R dot com slash SR22. Thanks for listening.